Hello and welcome to Earthcast, a platform for discussions about bridging the resource gap between people and planet. I am Olivia Taylor, or Olivia Earth on the socials, your host, and I will be interviewing a series of change makers, thinkers and disruptors, and asking them about their areas of expertise. Together, we will discover fresh perspectives and the most useful levers in society for change. The main question that we will explore is how are trade-offs made between people, planet and profit? More specifically, how do we solve wicked problems and make decisions at the margin? If you would like to hear more from Earthcast, subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Hello and welcome back. Happy World Oceans Day. I'm so excited for today's episode and we are privileged to have Anya Omadin joining us today on Earthcast. Anya is an intersectional environmentalist living in Cape Town. She has worked in marine conservation for 17 years. After leaving WWF as the acting head of freshwater and marine programs in 2010, she consulted in the environmental sector and became a mother. In 2015, she started a voluntary group with scientific advice from Professor Peter Ryan that collected marine debris. In 2017, Anya founded a non-profit company, The Beach Co-op, which emerged from these informal gatherings. Anya was selected as part of the first cohort of women for the environment in Africa and has embarked on this journey for 2021 with 13 other African women. In addition, she is a registered PhD student at the Education Learning Research Centre at the university currently known as Rhodes. It's World Oceans Day today. How can we use this day to think about restoring historic injustice and creating a more inclusive ocean environment for all people, especially those who have been purposefully excluded due to racist laws and policies? And then additionally, who would you say is doing some exciting and innovative work in this space? I really love this uh, question, Olivia, um, and I thought about it and, and I thought that we can start by opening up our hearts and leaning into the discomfort of having these conversations around these issues and through listening and sharing our experiences and, and for example, our first ocean memories, there's so much power and healing in having these difficult conversations. And I'd really encourage um, people to do so. And the ocean belongs to all of us and we're all responsible for its health and well-being. But before we jump into protecting and conserving it, we need to, we need to stay with the trouble, um, as Donna Haraway would say, and acknowledge the past injustices to allow for a reconnection with nature. And then, you know, coming to who's doing some exciting work in this space, um, I'm very excited to see that the Simonstown Museum is launching a new marine exhibition titled Before Simons Bay. The Simonstown Museum has been doing work for a long time related to disposition, and they've been working very hard to provide resources such as logbooks to, to try and understand more deeply where we come from. Um, what's really great about, about this new exhibition is that it's being led by a female team. So it's Kathy Salter, Tasneem Wenzel, and Zayan Khan. And, and this in itself is revolutionary. They have collected stories 
and read between the lines to find other stories that have been forgotten. And, and this has really required embodied research and spiritual work. Um, it also requires the understanding that the context of coloniality has been so deeply embedded into indigenous peoples that consequently it's an extremely patriarchal space. So this conservation space is, is white male dominated and, and that needs to change. What has the Beach Co-op been really successful at achieving and what are you proud of? And then perhaps further, what areas of the Beach Co-op can maybe be improved and what is on the horizon? The Beach Co-op has been successful at bringing communities together community being the driving force that can create and manifest change. And the term community holds historical connotations of political, economic and social disadvantage in South Africa. But for me, community encompasses a sense of kinship or family among a group of living things, human and more than human, that care for the well-being of our planet, and, and its people. And I really feel that the Beach Cop has played a huge role in trying to manifest this, this idea of what community is and, and the power that community has. Um, as far as uh, the Beach Cops, what, what projects we have on the horizon and what we can improve, I'd say improving on our monitoring and evaluation and, and how we actually capture how community is growing and, and how this enhances ocean health. It's, it's a very difficult task to, to measure how the community is growing and how they're beginning to care for ocean health. But I'm really hoping um, that my PhD studies and understanding more post-qualitative methodologies will help us with this. Future projects for the Beach Cop. Um, we, we want to better understand the diverse identities of coastal communities. We operate mainly in Cape Town, although we've worked nationally. So we'd like to start in Cape Town. And, you know, Cape Town is a coastal city rich in cultural heritage and, and contexts. And we want to spend more time engaging with and bridging diverse networks across the metropolis. Um, in an attempt to, to understand our community better. And, and then secondly, another focus um, would be to direct our data collection efforts uh, to answer locally relevant questions. So the Dirty Dozen methodology has been something that we've been working with for the last four or five years. And we know that people love it and, and there's engagement and uptake of this methodology. So they are very much interested in doing citizen science, but we want to reassess and, and look at the data that's been collected and be more strategic about where and when we do our beach cleanups so that they can be more effectively aligned to local research questions and agendas. And if I'm correct, there is going to be a new moon beach cleanup on the 10th of June just in a few days. Excellent. Yeah, excellent. And so Thank you. If, if people want to come and get involved, where should they meet and at what time? 
So um, they should meet us at Musenberg Surface Corner. Um, right in the corner, there's a set of concrete steps that take you down to the rocky shore or otherwise, um, yeah, you'll see our banner flapping um, on <laughs> over there. Um, and definitely bring some shoes that can get wet. Um, we provide the bags and we'll be there at nine o'clock on the rocky shore. I can't wait to see where you guys go because I, you know, watching the momentum that you've built over the past, you know, just few years has been absolutely incredible. And then briefly, I wanted to know a little bit more. What is the focus of your PhD and what in your life and career has culminated in you choosing to pursue this career and study combo? So my research question for my PhD is how do we as human beings re-care, learn to re-care, reconnect to our marine environment and our hydro commons essentially. Um, but, but what makes it interesting for me is the South African context, right? And our connection to the marine environment is so different depending on who we are. Um, and given our South African context and the apartheid legacy, um, there, there are different reasons why people connect to our marine environment. And, and the Group Areas Act played a huge role in that disconnection from the marine environment. So I'll be looking at all of those nuances and trying to understand and unpack, unpack how how we as human beings can care for our marine environment. I'm busy working on my proposal, which I hope to submit at the end of June. Um, so it's a big month for me, not only World Oceans Day, um, but I'm excited about it and really looking forward to learning through the process and adding value to the work at the Beach Cop while studying as well. Brilliant, thank you so much. So I've seen, uh, you've often referred to yourself as an intersectional environmentalist, uh, and that's something that you're doing currently. So I want to know, you know, what do you want to be when you, when you grow up? And I say that in inverted commas, you know, um, perhaps the, the term intersectional environmentalist, we won't need that anymore. You know, what, what do you really want to be when you grow up? Um, definitely still figuring that out, but um, the Women for the Environment in Africa leadership course that I'm currently um, enrolled and, and working on, um, as well as the PhD journey, will hopefully guide me. And, and I'd imagine that it involves um, the facilitation of understanding the needs of people and how those are met with the needs of the planet and, and our and our common resources that need to be shared and cared for by all of us. So some kind of facilitation role, I suppose, in that space is where I see myself in the future. Thank you so much for going into that. I interviewed Denisha Nandan in episode nine. And when I asked her the final question, she said that she would really have liked me to ask this particular question, which was, how do you see racism affecting conservation and further, how can people in conservation listening to this do conservation in an authentic way, which does not continue to perpetuate racist ideologies? Uh, so given you're a friend of Denisha's, I would love to hear your response to this question. 
such an important question um, that Denisha raises because racism is so intertwined with conservation and our historical apartheid legacy. Um, in simple terms, conservation is seen as a white man's way of protecting land and kicking people of color off that land to ensure its protection. That's, that's what is perceived as the traditional conservation way of doing things. Um, and so I feel that conservationists and white conservationists in particular need to acknowledge this legacy and traditional style and approach conservation, you know, and, and the approach to conservation, which has deeply affected people of color and their connection to blue and green spaces. And so in order to revive this connection, we need to approach caring for blue and green spaces in a, diff in a different way or in different ways through you know, our ancestral heritage, indigenous knowledge, art, dance, music, um, and then providing opportunities for people uh, that haven't had access to teach them how to snorkel or to take them onto the rocky shore and um, explore, not only clean up the beach, but also explore the wonders, um, plants and animals that live in that rocky shore, which is something we do at the beach car. Um, so Denisha's actually named this method. Um, it was through her that I realized, well, actually, this is what we're doing at the Beach Park. We're trying these different ways of encouraging people to care, to, to awaken um, their connection to nature. And she, she terms this method or approach a biocultural assemblage. So to not only consider the biodiversity, but also the cultural diversity that connects us to nature. Wow, that was such a magnificent response. I really, really appreciate you going into such a, a deep dive in that. And, you know, we've spoken about Denisha's work, but who else uh, individually and at an organizational level is doing some really good work in this regard? I, I'm not sure if you come across Amphitheater and they're doing amazing work in this regard. And the co-directors are Neil Coppen, Mpumi, Mtombeni, and Dylan McGarry. Um, and amphitheater is really a methodology um, to facilitate an expansive and collaborative approach to public storytelling and public dialogue. Um, to process the process, sorry, the process begins with extensive action-based research in which co-participants and key partners work to identify matters of concern. So one of the productions they produced is uh, Lelele Ulwandle, which in Isizulu means listen to the sea. And it explores themes of intergenerational environmental injustices, um, tangible and intangible ocean heritage, marine science, and, and a myriad of threats to our, our ocean health. And they did this through an iterative process of interviewing people, talking to various communities, understanding, unlocking stories, fears, emotions. And then they produced this performance, this play. Um, it's, it's an I was lucky enough to, to attend and, and participate and watch. And it was such a beautiful process to, to witness. 
Um, so that is one way of, of doing it. And I really feel Amphitheater has been doing amazing work. And out of this is something that developed called the Coastal Justice Network. Uh, and the individuals involved in this work are Taryn Prera, Jackie Sundi, Pilile Mbata, Buchle Francis, and again, Dylan and Anna James. They're driving this network. And it's been going for about two years. Um, and, it's, and it's dealing with the range of injustices, social, environmental, economic, and, you know, really working with coastal communities and trying to unlock um, how they can respond to offshore oil and gas expansion, as well as their lack of participation in the development of marine protected areas um, and, and many other issues. So um, linked to Amphitheater, they are currently working on a public storytelling process related to these issues um, that coastal communities are, are facing. So very exciting work there. Wow, thank you so much for sharing those. That's such a that's such a lovely story to um, to look forward to and to give and to give hope. We often hear such negative stories, so I really appreciate you sharing such a positive one. And then at more of a, a philosophical level, have you identified any areas maybe in conservation or in social ethics that you think urgently need to be dealt with? It comes back to what we were chatting about earlier, um, and that is that the traditional way in which conservation has been led and implemented needs to change if we want to protect and care for our planet. We need to explore alternative ways that include people and communities in the decision-making process. The examples that I've shared here um, and the freedom we have had, as in the Beach Cop, we've had as a nonprofit organization to test some of these ideas and new ways, new ways of working is really key. But also key to this process is that the funding mechanisms to support this work also needs to change in order to uh, support this new way of working. They're still um, very output driven, very timeline driven, and, and those measures need to be adapted to this new way of working. Brilliant. I'm going to definitely give some thought to those, uh, those, those uh, questions and, and solutions and perhaps think about those from a, from a more complex perspective. I, my personal journey started in, uh, for lack of a better phrase, uh, white savior species conservation at a young age, which was very good intention, but uh, naive. <laughs> so I really appreciate you bringing, bringing attention to that. You know, before we get to the last question, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your time. I thoroughly appreciate you, um, you know, giving your time to talk about these issues and, you know, to really emphasize the, the importance of, of the nuances in conservation and really understanding, you know, perhaps how you're implicated and, and where these ideas and concepts come from. And for those listening, if you'd like to follow some more of Anya's work, you can follow her on Instagram. Uh, and her handle is at Ani underscore crab. That's A-A-N-I underscore C-R-A-B. Or you can follow the Beach Co-op, which is at the Beach Co underscore op. So the last question. Anya, given your expertise, what question should I have asked you? 
Um, very interesting question. <laughs> but where I find myself right now and, and working in conservation as a female, um, I feel that it's, it's, it would have been relevant to ask um, how and what the role of women and young girls um, would be in or is in, in the nature, conservation, environmental space. That is a question I, I would have asked. Thank you for joining me today at Earthcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Let's chat next episode, where I will be asking more creatives and intellectual disruptors about making decisions at the margin. See you next time.